the optimal life. What's up, Chandler? How are you? Nate, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Investor, Forbes 30 under 30, founder and CEO. How do you do it all at such a young age? <laughs> uh, focus, uh, work ethic, uh, discipline, <laughs> and amazing people. I mean, we got a great team at South Publishing School. So that's, I think I've been, I, I, I mean, I've obviously, you know, self, self-starter in some ways uh, have, have, done a lot of things personally but then really i mean when you get a certain point it's it's not about what you can do personally but it's about the team that you can build around you and so um that's a big part of what's been i think what's made self-publishing school so successful and myself included how old are you now uh 28 you're 28 years old when did you hit the forbes 30 under 30 list uh just last year um, wow. so I, I'm, I'm coming up on a birthday in a couple of weeks but so i guess still at 28 uh, but i was running out of time <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how at 27 years old, what do you have to do to apply to get featured on that list? What's the what's the process? I mean, you don't really have to do anything to apply. I mean, you have to fill out the application. Um, but uh, the the process was uh, they sent me through another round of vetting and interview and all that stuff. And I think, uh, you know, I've I won it in the education um, in their education category. And I mean, I think it was really based on. Um, the accomplishments for me as a person, but then us at self-publishing school and really what we're doing to transform the publishing industry, the online education industry, um, things like that. So I don't really know what their criteria is. I don't think they really publish that anywhere because um, uh, then people probably try to game it, but I think it was mm. just based on kind of, hey, we've published thousands of books over the last few years. We've made a massive impact. And um, I think that's kind of what it comes down to. And I assume that that something like that, a feature 30 under 30, I mean, Forbes is obviously a nationally recognized publication, one of the biggest publications when it comes to business. And there's you're one of only 30 people that are recognized in last year's publication. I mean, that had to be a huge moment for not only you, but your business overall. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a fun moment, man. It was it was really <laughs> fun. I mean, I I haven't really seen like a huge uptick on the business side of things. I think we should probably use it and talk about it more. I'm I'm not the kind of person that just like beats my chest about stuff like this. Well, I'll beat it um, for you, Chandler. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> I, I my team has told me though they're like we really should make a big bigger deal about this. That's huge, um, man. Because, That's a freaking huge yeah. accomplishment. You should be. I, I would I oh, would really good. do that. Yeah, it felt. Good. I think I think a thing, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Nate, is. A thing that I've been trying to be more intentional about is just celebrating wins along the journey. You know, it's it's it, it, I have a fundamental belief of you know it's it, it's not about the mountaintop experiences. It's about the journey. If you don't like the journey, then why are you doing it? <laughs> and right. and but at the same time, the journey can be a grind. And so it's it, I think it's important to stop and smell the roses on that journey. And so I've got this little sign. I'm in the process of moving right now. So it's kind of, I don't even know where it is right now, but um, when my office is set up, it's, it's there that it says uh, until further notice, celebrate everything. <laughs> mm, <laughs> uh, and just kind it. of this reminder yeah. to, to stop and to celebrate the, the wins and the small things um, that are building along the journey. And so that's what I tried to do with Forbes 30 and 30 specifically as I said, all right, I got to do something like I need to. So I went to a little steak dinner and uh, had, had a celebration and, uh, you know, let my family know they were excited about it. So I th maybe that's a takeaway for people listening is just, Hey, take, you know, 
doesn't have to be four thirty or thirty, but just the small wins along the uh, along the journey is is take uh, take time to stop and celebrate. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that that's a great piece of advice. I think most people get caught in that trap of, oh, I can't wait to get to the top of that mountain, mm-hmm. and they spend years and years and decades trying to get there. First off, you, you never really do. Yeah. So, <laughs> you, you know, like you, you, we have this fantasy in our heads of, hey, we're going to once we once I get to this point or once I get there, once I've accomplished this, then I'm going to finally be fulfilled and happy about what I've done. And I'm going to feel successful. You really never get there. I mean, mm-hmm. to your point, it's just there's got there's so many wins along the way that we have to the joy lies within the journey. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just part of what it is. I agree. I yeah. agree, Nate. Um. One other thing I saw that was pretty neat was um, your brother plays in the band Need to Breathe. Mm-hmm. That's you guys come from a talented family over there at the Bolt family. That's <laughs> sweet man. That's that's one of my. I used to listen to that song. Um, uh, well, here I have it right here. But what brother? But with uh, Gavin yeah. McGraw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was a freaking great song, man. What? Come on. This is a great song to run to yeah. on the treadmill. If you need some inspiration, I don't know what it is about that song, but that song can can make me emotional too, man. Mm-hmm. How how, mm-hmm. how was how did your brother how did that you know kind of unplay for him? In a nutshell, from uh, playing music probably as a young kid to ultimately winning a, a or at least being nominated for a Grammy. Yeah, I mean it, it's yeah he was obsessed with music growing up and. And I, I had a little stint there for a while um, playing drums. I thought maybe one day I'd get to grow up and be in his band. But then I realized, hey, I think business is more uh, up my alley. But, you know, it's it's he they just work. I mean, it's a lot of there's a lot of similar things. And in fact, him and I wrote a, a book about this is uh, we you know, we felt like we graduated and went out into the real world and realized that there were all these things our parents taught us growing up that we thought were normal. But then we got out in the real world and realized that no one gets taught this stuff. Um, and so we kind of said, hey, what are these 15 things and what are his perspective as a musician and, his, and my perspective as a business guy? Um, and so th- 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 there's a lot of overlap. I mean, there's the focus, there's the dis- discipline, there's the work ethic. And I think we both have to uh, credit my parents because I think they just did an amazing job um, and sacrificed a lot. Um, sure. so that so that we could pursue our dreams and and I mean they met working night shift at a factory and and ultimately created a better life for us and for our family and I think it was a nice balance of holding us accountable and and teaching us but also giving us freedom and autonomy to really go after those dreams and then for me my brother chasing these you know crazy dreams of music where everyone said hey when are you, when are you going to get a real job and then he made it and then I think that was really a catalyst for me to to because I saw that growing up because we're he's about nine and a half years older than me so I I really like he's he's very much a role model, role model and an older brother that was just kind of blazing that path and so I think that showed me of hey there's a lot more options than the, my guidance counselor at my high school was saying that there were <laughs> right. you know grew up in a tiny town and it's like hey you got five options. <laughs> you know what you can do when you want to grow up and and i think he just kind of broke that mold and um that's led to success for his band now they have bought him and his wife have bolt farm tree houses uh you know all that stuff so um 
Yeah, and that's, that's been on Netflix as together. well, correct? That's been featured. Yeah, that's on been on Netflix, and um, yeah, they've it's been on gosh all over the place. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, there's so many similarities that across the board. People always say, "Hey, how do you get there? How do you do this? How do you become?" It's really what all the people I've interviewed and talked to and learned from, and it's the same story. There's nothing magic to it. It's just consistency. It's mm. hard work. It's work ethic. Mm-hmm. It's consistency. I even get frustrated too at times with the podcast because but I remind myself, man, I just love doing it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You know, sometimes you can get caught up in like the numbers and the downloads and this and yeah. that. And it's just yeah. remind yourself of why you're doing it. And then you kind of stop, you know, playing that game of uh, what if, or when am I going to get there? But yeah, you're, you're so right, man. It's always that consistency. So I assume that in your line of work, uh, helping people, write books know the process the starting from point a to point whatever it is point z once you you know the first day you sit down and you put pen to paper all the way to the final day where that books are those books are being shipped all over the world uh it's got to be quite a process so let me ask you um what even made you want to get into this line of work Mm, yeah i mean i i wrote and published a couple books um they did decently well um, and people just started asking about it. They said, hey, how are you doing this book thing? Uh, and so then I, I started out, I'd just get on the phone with them for an hour um, for free, um, teach them everything I knew just to be a nice person. <laughs> but let me um, just stop you. Let me stop you real quick. Yeah. Uh, Chandler, so you said you wrote a couple books, but okay, so when you started, what were mm-hmm. you doing at the beginning to even understand what I'm supposed to do here? Yeah, I, I think it was a, 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 an equal parts of uh, learning and then just, implement like quick implementation and and i'm i'm a big fan of just you know what's that quote of 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 start with start where you stand with the tools that you have at your command kind of just hey what 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 i have and what can i use and how can i take the next step and so that was really what is what it was about early on and then of course like i'm reading uh, you know reading books and and going through online courses and stuff to try and learn the process of publishing a book but a lot of it just evolved it's okay well if you write a book you got to get a rough draft done all right well let's try that okay now now you get a rough draft done you probably need to hire an editor okay well how do we hire an editor and so i'm a big fan of just in time learning and whether it's with the books that i read or uh, or you know the content that i consume is okay how do i learn exactly what i need <laughs> um, exactly when I need it. And if that implementation cycle is any longer than 30 days, you know, from, from learning the thing to, to implementing the thing, then I'm probably just, you know, accumulating knowledge and, 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 uh, and what I would call my, my shelf esteem, <laughs> right. Is, is, is just, I'm, I'm just putting it up on a shelf and it makes me feel good, but it's not actually doing anything. Um, and so with those first books, it was a lot of that just in time learning um, and then quick iteration and, making progress and then just not being afraid to fail saying, Hey, I'm just gonna put it out there. It's, I don't have a lot of pressure on this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see if it works. If it does great. Um, I'll double down. And if it doesn't, that sucks. Um, but we'll move on to the next thing. Right. And what was your first book about? Yeah. So, um, so they were kind of released about the same time. And it's, uh, so, um, th- I did kind of two and I wrote one of them first and then published the other one first. So it's kind of a little bit confusing, but, um, the first one was called The Productive Person. It was about productivity for entrepreneurs. Um, and then the second one is was a charity project um, or is a charity project. Uh, and that's the one I did with my brother um, called Breaking Out of a Broken System about the 15 things our parents taught us growing up that 
um, that, that we felt like, you know, everyone knew, but then got in the real world and realized, hold up, um, not many people have learned this stuff. So you were, you wanted to just help people, wanted to teach people some business tips, tricks, et cetera. You started writing this book. So for somebody else then, and then you started to say, I interrupted you, but you started saying that then after you, these books came out, people started asking you for advice and on how to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause I was, I was just, I was talking about a lot and you know, I, I, I kind of like to share the process and, and to be a pretty unfiltered, just behind the scenes, like, Hey, here's what I'm doing. And, and I think people gravitated to that, especially early on. And I was doing a lot more then, but I think people said, Hey, how are you doing this? Like I've always thought about writing a book, you know, New York times says based on a study they did 81% of people want to write a book. We know that less than 1% of people actually do it. And, and so it, 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 why is that? Well, a lot of people want to do it, but they don't, know, they don't have a process or, or an accountability um, to work through that process. And so I think a lot of people just started coming out of the woodworks. They said, hey, how are you doing this? And then I just teach them everything I knew for an hour for free just to be a nice person and help them for a little bit and say, hey, good luck. Mm -hmm. And then enough that happened enough times where finally I said, hold up, <laughs> I need to charge for this. Like I, I, I need to, you know, maybe there's a business here. I was working on a business that was just failing at the time. And I said, hold up, maybe I should try this. And we, we had a cohort of students that went through the process. I think it was over 60% of them wrote and published their book in less than six months, um, which is just a crazy stat. And so then we said, all right, well, this works. So now let's, let's double down. And that led to ultimately the creation and launch of self-publishing school. And then fast forward to today, and we've published about 6,000 books um, in the last seven years. Wow. That's incredible. So I want to, and I'm in one of those, I'm in that 80%. And I don't want to end up being in the 1% that never does it because I do want to mm -hmm. do the same yeah. thing. I want to yeah. write a book one day. So I want to bring as much value to the listener because I've heard other people similar to you on podcasts and they never, they're all over the place during these yeah. chats, but I'd really, as we can keep it at a high level, but I kind of want to give a step-by-step -step breakdown, Chandler, if we may. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. On, on really the steps that you would suggest anybody takes starting from step one, picking up the pen to ultimately, again, getting it published and out on the shelves. So yeah. where, where do we take us step-by-step? -step. Where do we start? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll zoom in here. Cause I'm, I'm with you, Nate. I've, I love practical, <laughs> um, very, uh, implementable advice. So, um, I'll, I'll start with, there's an image, which if people are curious, you can, um, I've got a new book. You can check out page 17 or just look at the preview, or I think it's maybe even on the Amazon page. There's this image that shows there's eight milestones to getting your book done. Okay. So the, I like to break things down into milestones. And then as an author or aspiring author, your job is to just take the very next step. And the question is, how can I complete the next milestone? Okay. So eight milestones in total. Um, it's kind of hard to, for the visual learners, you might want to pull it up and look at it. But um, the first four are what I call the more writing method. More is an acronym. So that stands for mind map, outline, rough draft, editing. All right, so mind map, then outline, then use that outline to write your rough draft. That's uh, step milestone three. Then milestone four is self-editing. Milestone five is professional editing. So hiring a professional. Then milestone six is creating your cover design. 
so that this is kind of transitioning from a from a finished manuscript to a publishable book right then milestone seven you're formatting that book or getting that book formatted and then milestone eight is to launch okay so, so let's start with yeah. mind map uh yes sir yeah, mm -hmm. so give us a little detail on each one of those eight steps, starting with mind map. What exactly yep. is that? Yep, so mind map, um, it's a brain dump of all the ideas around the topic of your book, right? So what I encourage every listener to do is as soon as this webinar, uh, or sorry, podcast, used to doing a lot of webinars, um, <laughs> uh, but as soon as this podcast is over, um, t take 15 minutes, put a timer on the clock, uh, and, and write out everything that you can think of on this topic. Right, and so what are the lessons that you've learned? The um, the ideas that you have, the stories that you could tell. If you're a business owner, um, or just in general, what are the broken record conversations that you keep having around this topic? Mm -hmm. Brainstorm all of those things. Okay. Right? Fifteen minute timer. Write out everything that you can think of. That'll be a starting point, and then once you finish your mind map, you go from mind map to outline. So to do that, you're going to start to group groups of ideas into sections or groups and so that'll form about five groups of ideas those are five sections you'll drill down about three chapters per section now all of a sudden you've got a 15 chapter outline that so you can give an to example too of, let's stick with the business uh, mm -hmm. entrepreneur owner mm -hmm. example uh give a few what would be like some sample sections for that person yeah and i'll, I'll maybe even a little bit more applicable and simple um and is I'm looking at the table of contents for my book, right? So there's, there's, I, I kind of brains, I did exactly this process. And then section examples, you've got before you start writing, you've got the more writing method, writing your first draft. You've got from rough draft to finished manuscript. You've got book production and pre-launch prep, how to launch your book, selling books after launch, and then now what, how to implement, right? So those are, I guess that's technically seven sections. Um, big picture, but you know, most people have somewhere between three to five, but then you use those sections to create an outline. You use that outline to write your rough draft milestone three. So you, and you do that one chapter at a time. Got it. So sections could really be about anything that's applicable to the author's story, what they're trying to convey. These are the high level themes within the book, correct? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. High level themes. And then you drill down specifically um, and the chapters and, and more tangible. Right. So somebody that's running a manufacturing business, one high level theme uh, section may be um, uh, efficiencies and effectiveness of creating an effective shop floor. And then you mm -hmm. can draw it down to process and procedure, supply yep. chain management, yada, yada, yada. I got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. So that's the outline portion of it. Mm -hmm. What's next? Yep. So you move from outline to rough draft, and that's where you use the outline to write your rough draft one chapter at a time, right? You so use your outline to write the rough draft one chapter at a time. Now, do you start? How do you? Where do you? How do you know where to start, or does it not matter yet? Yeah, I typically start chapter one, and I'll I'll repeat the process that I just taught on the macro level on the micro level. So I'll spend ten minutes mind mapping everything for that chapter. 10 minutes turning that mind map into an outline for that chapter and then 45 minutes to an hour and a half writing the chapter and i'll repeat that process chapter by chapter by chapter right so for some people they speak better than you better than they write well awesome do that so mind map outline and speak the chapter get it transcribed 
uh, and then and then now all of a sudden that that you can go even faster through this because the goal is to get your rough draft finished as quickly as possible because there's kind of this magical thing like this is the most important milestone in my opinion um, and, and not even just my opinion we've seen this play out with thousands of students at self-publishing school is the people who finish their mind map they get their books done the people who don't they don't which, you know, it kind of sounds like, okay, well, duh. But that's just such a huge kind of dividing line where when people get it done, they start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and they start to believe that it's possible. And so a lot of times I'll really just focus people on that and all the other milestones are cool. But if you don't finish your rough draft, none of those matter, <laughs> right? And so I think that as, a, as a, an aspiring author, that's the most important thing uh, and the first and best place to start. Okay, that's great piece of advice. So the rough draft, and that's just getting it all down on paper. It's not going to be anywhere near perfect, but you're basically taking all the, the brain dump that you've started with the mind mapping and the outlining, and now you're breaking it down into real dialogue, real mm -hmm. words, words to the paper. Okay, so that's your exactly. rough draft. Mm -hmm. What's the fourth step again? Yeah, so fourth, uh, milestone four is self-editing, and then milestone five is professional editing. Let, so me, let me stop you one more related. time. I'm yeah. sorry, Chandler, let me stop you one more time because you were saying that sometimes you write an hour to an hour and a half for each mm -hmm. uh, chapter. Um, is there a, a time, uh, I assume that the rough draft period, obviously mind mapping doesn't take long. Yep. Um, outlining probably doesn't take very long, but is yeah. the, does the can the rough draft period be something that extends over the course of weeks and months? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, and you you nailed it, Nate. I mean, I think that's the I think that's maybe the hardest part of the whole process, and that's where people get bogged down. Uh, and I was just talking with one of our coaches about this uh, because uh, it, it, you we're constantly trying to figure out how do we gamify this and make it fun so that it's exactly right. You know, the mind map might take an hour. The outline might take a few hours if you're really doing it thoroughly. And then there's kind of this quantum leap from outline to rough draft finished. And so that is really the place uh, where a lot of people get stuck. Mm, right, because now it's trying to get all these amazing ideas that are stuck in your head and getting them down on paper. That's a completely different skill set and challenge. Mm -hmm. And again, it's extended. It's a sustainable period of time. So you have to, I assume, you have to really be consistent in those months or else if you stop and take too many days off in between, you kind of lose the momentum. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. And that's that's one of the biggest uh, traps that uh, people fall into is that it's a marathon. Right. Uh, and, and, it, and that takes sustained progress. And so you can't just, you know, you're not just going to write this book just and 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 you know if you, you can choose to if you want to like really buckle down and try and get a rough draft and done in as little as a weekend like that's a pretty intense process uh it's not easy but it's definitely possible but beyond that i mean it's you, you've got to stay consistent on it if you want to get the rough draft done and then if you want to go from uh blank page to published sure okay so then i'm sorry so that was rough draft period mm -hmm. that's going to be an extended period of time and then step uh the fourth uh, step, please. Yeah. Um, so that then you move into self-editing. Um, and so that's milestone four. And then milestone five is professional editing. So these are pretty closely related. So self-editing, um, this is where you're reading. You, I call it the, your verbal read-through, right? You read through the book and, um, 
and, and you're kind of figuring out how to make the book better yourself. And then you move into the next piece, which is a professional editing. And that's hiring a professional uh, and going through a content and a copy edit, which that's what's going to really help make your book go from rough draft to publishable manuscript. Right. And again, you guys at self-publishing school, um, you've got two different websites, which we'll link in the show notes. You've got selfpublishing.com and then self-publishingschool.com. Mm-hmm. Are you guys involved in the entire process for your clients? Yeah. We are. We, yeah. we, we coach people through the whole process. Um, and then just recently we added, because this is kind of by popular demand, a lot of people were asking for this, is we now do um, book cover design and formatting. Um, and so we help people get their book ready to publish. And so we coach people through the whole process. We have curriculum. We have, you know, all, like just a ton of resources. Our goal is to help people save hundreds of hours in the process and thousands of dollars in the process. Uh, and so that's our goal. And that's kind of how we help people. Right. So, so okay. So some people that might need your help, would you be helping them during their rough draft phase? Or are you, are you basically saying, hey, you guys do the rough draft, be as authentic as you can. And then we'll come in in the, uh, maybe not the self-editing phase, but the fifth, the professional editing. Yeah, we help them through the rough draft. And that's more, I mean, that's more where we're coaching them and where we're holding them accountable. But I think that's one of the most important places. And that's a place that, you know, a lot of publishing companies don't really want to touch that. They say, hey, come back to us when you got your manuscript finished. But the problem with that is that people have a really hard time getting their manuscript finished. Right. right? And so we, we want to help them through that process. And we've got template, like outline templates. We've got, you know, all these things and tools and, and curriculum and all that, that hopefully will save people hundreds of hours um, in that process. That's fantastic. So, Okay, so they go to step uh, five. It's the, uh, after the self-edit, you hire a professional. Now, quite often the professional's edits are gonna come back. Sometimes it can be demoralizing for a writer, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that is one of the, uh, that's that's one of the tough parts. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's uh, I, I always say it's like the toughest part is uh, writing your rough draft. The second toughest part uh, is, uh, is reading it <laughs> and realizing, <laughs> oh man, I got a lot of work to do and going through that self-editing and editing process. So um, yeah, I agree. So when a professional editor, now again, if somebody's working with you guys, you guys are doing the whole thing, but there are editing companies out there as well that do nothing but professional editing. Yeah, exactly. So we, um, that's actually, that's the one part that we don't do, but we have um, a bunch of people that we've negotiated exclusive discounts with that are professional editors um, okay. and all that stuff. So, um, so, but yeah, so there's kind of two, uh, two ways to hire a great editor. There's marketplaces like Upwork, like Freedzy, like other places like that. Uh, and then there's referrals. So either an author, you know, that's published a book or in our case, actual people that we recommend um, that for, um, that are editors that, you know, we've negotiated exclusive discounts and that sort of thing. Right. These are people that are proven, trusted. You, you, you highly recommend them. They do a great work. So exactly. Exactly. Okay. So after that, what, where do they go then? What's six? What's number six? Yeah. Um, so next up we've got cover design. Um, and so this is where um, we now offer this as of just a month or two ago, um, because we just realized that people are having a hard time finding cover designers and and then even then they might work with someone who kind of delivers a crappy cover, which, you know, people say, don't judge a book by your cover. 
or by its cover, but we all judge books by their cover. It's the first impression for your book, mm. right? And so you need a best-selling book cover, um, not just a best-looking book cover. Um, and so, so a good the book cover covers, design, yeah. don't underestimate the value of how important the cover design is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So important. Yeah. And, in, and your good book cover grabs attention. It's easy to read and you instantly understand what the book's about. So those three things are really important. Fantastic. And now you guys are doing that as well at your company. You're exactly. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So we, we, we now um, create book covers for people. Okay. So then the book cover is done. Everyone's happy. How long does a book cover sometimes typically take? How long does that last? Yeah. I mean, that's typically like a two to six week process, um, depending on how clear the person is on, uh, on what, you know, what, what they're looking for in a cover, how many revisions they want, you know, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. So then they've got the book cover. Everyone seems happy. What's next? Yeah. So next up, um, and I just dropped a link in, in the in the chat for you here. That's a, that's a link to my Amazon page. And if you scroll down, you'll see the actual image that I'm talking about. That um, looks like they're climbing this mountain. Um, and so um, the seventh milestone, milestone seven, that's the formatting. Um, and so that's where, you know, this is kind of tedious, but it, it, it makes a big difference. You know, obviously your self-published book shouldn't look self-published. Right, and so um, formatting is is the process of whether it's ebook, whether it's print, um, that sort of thing is is taking that manuscript and formatting it for publication um, and and all that stuff, so that you've got a good looking book that's going to not only read well, but it's going to help people get more out of the book itself. Okay, so formatting is is number seven, and then finally, now that I see the image, is of course milestone eight is launch. Yes, sir. And when you say launch, what are you guys doing to help get get the book out there, distributed, uh, marketed, et cetera? Yeah. So um, first important thing here is whether you're self-publishing, whether you're traditional publishing, um, hybrid publishing doesn't matter. Um, important thing, you as the author are responsible for marketing your book, <laughs> right? And so it, this is a counterintuitive thing. I think for some people, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm with a publisher. They're, they're doing the marketing wrong. <laughs> you are responsible for marketing and every publisher will ask you first question, how are you going to sell this book? Right. And so as an author, we've got to learn uh, to love Sam, right? So sales and marketing, we've got to learn to love sales and marketing. And so when it comes to launching the book specifically, I recommend three things. This is a, I call this the launch triangle. Okay. okay. And so it's number one is launch team. Number two is reviews. And then number three is promotions. And so a launch team, this is a small group of people that support you in the topic of your book. It could be friends, family members, customers, colleagues, 15 people, 50 people, maybe more, right? And they, these people read the book ahead of time and leave a review on day one, right? And so that's a huge thing. And so that's kind of two birds, one stone. Your launch team helps you get reviews. And then the third piece of that triangle um, is... Um, and oh yeah, on this uh, page, um, that, uh, on the Amazon page, you, I think if you just scroll up, you'll see that launch triangle I'm talking about too, is mm -hmm. um, promotions, right? And so promotions, these are um, targeted promotions around the launch week of your book. And depending on how much time, money, and energy you have to dedicate towards this book, um, well then that's, um, you know, that'll, you know, kind of dictate the promotions that you do. But those are kind of the three 
uh, three core components uh, of marketing and launching a book successfully. Interesting. So somebody that has a tight budget, I mean, how, how does this work? That's, that's, let's say, is there a set number of copies that you recommend that they go to print with to start? Yeah, great question. So beautiful thing is there's actually something called print on demand. And so whether it's through a company like Amazon or through a company like Ingram Spark, they will actually print, pack and ship the, your books when they sell. Um, and so you don't have to, you know, it used to be, it's like we all knew someone who had like a, a, a 500 copies of their book in their garage and they've been sitting there for years. Um, so you don't have to do that anymore, which means less upfront cost um, and a better overall experience um, for the author. Interesting. Well, and what's that called? It's called print on demand. Print on demand. But I assume that that's not, is that feature available for a major public? Like if you sign with the Harper Collins or Thomas Reuters, et cetera, is that no, feature available? They're going to do a have... big bulk order. And if you don't sell those books, you're probably going to be on the hook for it, <laughs> um, right. depending on the fine print and your publishing deal. And, and what kind of commitment is that? That's got to be how many thousands of books do you have to commit to? Yeah, it really depends on the deal and, and your advance. And there's, there's you know, certain stipulations in traditional publishing deals where there's a buyback clause sometimes where if you don't sell your first 10,000 copies a lot of times, um, then, then you won't get any royalty checks until you do. Um, or, you know, or you might even have to sometimes, this is not crazy common, but there are some predatory publishing companies um, where you, you might actually even have to uh, buy that, like buy the books to make up the difference or do a buyback if they're sitting on a big stock. Interesting. Well, there's got to be some benefit to still signing with the big publishing companies, correct? Yeah. I mean, if, if, uh, I mean, if, if you have a big audience uh, and you can get a massive advance, then it makes sense. Um, otherwise, you're probably better off um, self-publishing. So I think for 99.9% .9 of people, it makes more sense to self-publish. Um, but if you can get a big advance, um, then by all means, go for it. If you, have, if you have the resources and the audience, you're saying that that 1% or less people, it still makes sense to go with the big boys because they're going to get your books in every single place throughout this country or even worldwide. Exactly. Exactly. Got it. And that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like a bank. Banks lend money to people who don't need them right? Publishers give publishing deals to people who can sell books. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, how do you guys, as much as you're willing to share your company, are you guys getting paid just as consultants or do you get royalties on copies sold or both, et cetera? How does that work? Yeah. So um, authors keep hundred percent of the royalties when they work with us uh, and we get paid um, kind of as consultants. Um, so it's an upfront fee, um, and um, yeah, it's you know somewhere between six to twelve grand is typically um, the the expense. And our goal is to save people hundreds of dollars in the process, or sorry, hundreds of hours in the process, uh, and thousands of dollars in the process. And then yeah, I was we work say with that's them. Be thousands of dollars of savings. Oh gosh, yeah, 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 with cover design, formatting, all that stuff that we now just do for people. Right. And then let me ask you. So let's say somebody's able to sell ten thousand books because that's part of your. Uh, one of your one of your books, I believe, um, that came out. That is, uh, that's one of your recent books, I think, called "Published: The Proven Path from Blank Page to Ten Thousand Copies Sold." Um, so, let's say somebody sells ten thousand books. How much? First off, what's the average sales price of a book? Yeah, it depends on the format, um, but it's it's somewhere between you know, it's somewhere between, like ebook is two ninety nine to nine ninety nine. 
print book is 12 to 20 or 12 to 25, somewhere in that range. Okay. So um, let's, yeah, let's assume that it's a $10 just for yep. easy math and they sell 10,000 books. So a hundred thousand dollars of revenue has been created. How much just estimate can the author expect to receive back from that hundred thousand dollar in revenue? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's somewhere between 20 to 70%, which I know is a big range, but that's basically like on the ebook side of things. So let's say you sold a hundred thousand in ebooks, you'd get 70% of that. So let's call it 60 something thousand dollars. Now, if it's a print book, they'd probably be priced a little bit higher, but then your, your royalty is also lower, obviously, because you got hard costs of printing. Um, so that might be something like, you know, 20, $30,000 kind of somewhere in that range. And so, um, yeah, somewhere in that range. Interesting. Okay. And does it matter? I mean, I'm sure it's just, again, everything varies depending on who the person is and what the story is, but uh, is it more important to have a hard cover versus a soft cover? Is it, is it good to have both options? Is it good to have the audible option? What's your take on that whole thing? Um, my take is that you need to publish in all three formats. Right. Some people would never read your book, but they would listen to your book. Right. And so like with my new book published, I published in all three formats and I narrated the audiobook personally. I think it makes for a more fun reader experience and people are more likely to buy the audiobook and listen to the audiobook, that sort of thing. But I recommend publishing in all three formats. You'll sell more copies of your book. Some people will just download the audiobook and then some people will purchase in multiple formats. Wow. Have you ever had, what's the most books, if you even know, um, that any of your clients has ever sold? Do you have a number? I wish I knew. It's, it's tens of thousands. I know that. I know we've got a few of our students who have just really sold a ton of books, but because we're not a publisher, they, they keep all that data right. <laughs> um, and all those royalties. But, and, but then you look, I'm just trying to think of the potential. Obviously, everyone like any business, the the top, the very few at the top could be tremendously successful. But when you look at these New York Times bestsellers or these, there's people that are selling millions of copies of one book, right? Oh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people selling millions of copies of books. I mean, those are the unicorns, though, so it's not it's not crazy common. Right. Um, but but you know that that is a your that's your one percenters in the author world, and then the people who are on the like New York Times or USA Today bestseller list. Um, those are typically those folks are typically selling somewhere between six to twelve thousand, or maybe even more copies in a given week. Mm, that's incredible, and I assume those are more typically with the big publishing companies. If somebody's with a big publisher, you said twenty to seventy percent, you could expect on return depending on the situation. But it's got to be a lot less than that if you're with like a Harper Collins. Oh gosh, yes, a lot less. Um, typically somewhere between eight to 12%, depending on the publisher and depending on the book. Still not so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you're, you're able to sell of hundreds of thousands of copies, yeah, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is fascinating stuff, man. And uh, uh, really neat to see what you guys are doing. So uh, like I mentioned before, selfpublishing.com, self-publishingschool.com. If you guys are interested in learning more about Chandler's company, um, take a look at the links here in the show notes and you can get signed up and contact the, his, his team and start discussions. Um, this is cool stuff, man. Anywhere else uh, online that people can find you? Yeah. Last thing I'd say is if, uh, if for people who want a copy of the new book, 
Um, I'm, I'd love to give away 50 free physical copies um, just to this audience. So uh, if you're interested, obviously you can get it on Amazon. You can download the audiobook on Audible and listen there. But if you'd like a free physical copy of the book and you're one of the first 50 people, just go to publishedbook.com forward slash Nate. So that's published book, like I published a book. So publishedbook.com forward slash Nate. Go there, literally, we'll print it, pack it, ship it. You don't have to pay anything. Um, all you have to do is just uh, tell us where to send it. So, man, that's um, awesome. That I really link, appreciate we'll, we'll that. And guys, if you're listening to this, do it. It's fu- it's fully free. The first 50 people that listen, go to publishbook.com slash Nate. We will link that, of course, here in the show notes as well. And as Chandler said, his book, this is the, uh, the new one published, The Proven Path from Blank Page to 10,000 Copies Sold. Um, you can get a copy of that from Chandler, seven-time best-selling author and CEO of Self-Publishing School. So, uh, hey, man, I really appreciate that. Nate, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course, you could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings and several and many other podcast apps. Wherever you may be listening, please tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the podcast, and we will see you next time.